Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to another edition of the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. I'm Bethel Duran alongside the one and only Ricky Romero, who is back. He was busy last week. Ricky, uh, we had the show last week with uh, Farmer Tolly, who is now relaxed Tolly because the kids are back in school. He's feeling good about himself. How are you doing, man? Good, man. I'm good. Yeah, sorry I missed you guys last week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just kind of been enjoying the last few the last few days of baseball. I mean, this weekend was crazy um, with the race in the AL East and the wild card and all that that was fun to watch had a little nice setup here i already have three tvs in the man cave and then added a fourth one because there was just so much going on but uh yeah man still a little bummed out that the toronto blue jays are not in the playoffs um you know obviously they had a tremendous year and for them to have missed the playoffs is just freaking sucks man but you know what they have a young team and hopefully they keep that core together and make some good signings and they'll be back there again yeah, as we were saying earlier, uh, or a couple weeks ago, oh, we're going to do a breakdown of what's going on in the playoffs, but then we can't do that today because we got wild card games. Today, as we're recording this, later on, Yankees and Red Sox will go at it. Then tomorrow on Wednesday, Dodgers and Cardinals. So next week, next Tuesday, we'll have a full uh, baseball breakdown. I know we don't normally do that here where it's like, oh, let's break down baseball, but it's playoff time. It's fun. Yeah. But uh, go to, and to give you guys a heads up, we're going to have Arash, Mar- Arash Madani from Sportsnet in Toronto in about 15 minutes, he's going to join us. Uh, but, Ricky, uh, it was cool to see how everything broke down on Sunday. Uh, baseball, as I say, I don't watch much of it anymore because I don't have to work it every single day, but I keep an eye on it. And for me, I work at CBS2 here in Los Angeles, and there was a lot of football going on. Our entire show was about football, but I'm yelling at – not yelling. I'm, like, yelling from one room to, like, where the production assistants are. They're editing. And I, because of you, I'm following what the Blue Jays are going on in our group chat – and I'm yelling at one of the production assistants, like, let me know what the Red Sox doing. Let me know what the Red Sox doing. Let me know. Then it's like, you know I'm getting an update on the Blue Jays. And then one of them finally comes up to me and they're like, Beto, don't you care what the Giants are doing? I'm like, ah, who cares about the Giants? Because <laughs> I'm so invested yeah. in what Toronto was doing, man. Yeah. It sucks. I, I feel like our group chat definitely um, grew closer and closer to that team because, you know, obviously I have ties there and how much I talked about them and, and brought them up. Uh, you know, it's just – you know, it's tough. It's, it's, it's not that hard to, to, to root for them. And again, it, it was just a bummer because you went from such a high, they come out banging against the Orioles and then the Nats take a five to a lead against the Red Sox and, and everything's looking gravy. And then all of a sudden, boom, they give up three runs, give up the lead and it's game over. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know what though, Beto, and, 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 and I thought about this and I sat back and I was like, when people say, oh, it's only April, it's only June, it's early, hell no, it's not early. Every game matters yep. in the game of baseball. And we've seen it. How many times have we seen it in the past few years where it's the 162nd game in the big leagues means something? Always. It always happens. And it's just – to me, it's just like – it's just you, you start having all these thoughts. And I didn't want to have them on Sunday, but – now it were what Tuesday, and I kind of had a chance to reflect on it, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, man, if only they would have won, you know, that game. If only, if only they would have got won that other game, they wouldn't be in this position. So you start kind of thinking of those what ifs, and and I mean, they came so close, man. And but again, every game matters in the game of baseball throughout the whole season, no matter if it's the first game, the second game, or the last game of the year. Every single one matters. Yeah, and you had your setup where you normally have your three TVs for football. But then you had the baseball one. You had four TVs going on, and you're going back and forth and watching it. And full disclosure, I was the one who said that the Giants were going to fall back. I said, like, in September, it's okay. The Dodgers are going to catch them because they had never been there before, this Giants team. They had a bunch of players. You still don't know who they are. Like, I still had a lot of confidence in the Dodgers. I still have a lot of confidence in the Dodgers watching them because it's they're going to get them. And then the Dodgers got hot because I kept saying, hey, don't worry. They're going to get hot. They're going to get hot. 
I didn't think the Giants were going to stay that hot. I even said that they were deflated after one series. I took full ownership. But my goodness, and credit to them and kudos to them, it's like they don't know that they're supposed to lose. They don't know no better, for lack of better terms, for these guys. So yeah. it's funny. But you know what? You know what? I, I think it goes a long way when you have the Brandon Crawfords, the Buster Poseys of the world. Those guys, you know, are proven winners. They've won championships, and they lead by example. There's not really – it's not like they're – you know, on the highlights every day or this and that, but I think their leadership qualities, and I've been in that clubhouse only in spring training once, and and I said it before to them, they're not picturing themselves going into the playoffs. They're picturing themselves uh, carrying that trophy down for their parade, for, for, for their championship parade. That's the way they think, and that's the way they're wired, and I was amazed, man. I still remember to this day when Bruce Bochy got up in front of everyone and was like, hey, guys, you know, we come here to to win a championship and 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 just make sure you you picture yourself carrying that trophy in that championship uh, ceremony. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, I, <laughs> I you know, I, I in Toronto, I wanted to get to the playoffs. These guys are thinking winning the World Series and picturing yourself down uh, going down in, in the parade floats, you know, so. It's just like when, when you have that kind of mentality, it rubs off. You know, like I said, Crawford and, and Buster Posey have been there before, and, and it, it's not that hard to kind of learn from those guys. Yeah, those guys have been there. What about the rest of them? Like, like when, did, when did Evan Longoria become Evan Longoria again? You know, like, all right, good for them. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think that the thing, obviously, he, he missed a bit of time, but he's he's also a veteran, man. He's been he's been there. He's been part of some great race team, and I, I think, what, his rookie year, he made it to the World Series. So he's been there. He's another proven winner. You know, he had that big home run on that 162nd game, too, and, and that put the Rays in the playoffs. So he's another guy that, that I'm sure they, they rely on again. But when you have, yeah, like Logan Webb, you know, Webby um, leading the staff and, you know, Steven Duggar in center field, those are all young guys, but guys that I'm sure have bought into the Giants way. And and, and that's why they, they had the year they had. And they surprised a lot of people. But this is the beauty of this game. You just go out there and you play hard and, and you do the right things, good things are going to happen to you. And, and that's what's happened with the Giants, I think. And it's just, people, again. You huh? hear that, people? Legit, hardcore baseball talk. You didn't think you'd get that on that podcast, huh? See, we have that-tier <laughs> people. It's not just us no, messing and, around. And, you know, it, it just it stinks, man. I mean, it stinks that uh, that if the Dodgers win tomorrow, uh, they'll have to face off against each other. Yeah. And one of those 100-game 100 game winners is going to have to go. Um it's just like the ALEs, you know, with the Toronto Blue Jays. They won 91 games, man, and they're not in the playoffs. That's just, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Usually like- you get to 90 wins, you're like, okay, I, we have a chance. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. I just was texting with people over there, and I was like, how's the how's vibe? And they're mad, like, everyone's disappointed. Everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you did what you can do. You did what you had to do against Baltimore. You go out there and you sweep them and then still don't make the playoffs. It's, Again, I, I felt that I, I, I could I, I kept uh, telling Carl, I was like, man, I can't believe they're not in the playoffs. Just because, and and you know what, and and I feel like Beto, you you you've heard me talk a lot about Vladdy and 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 Teoscar Hernandez and you know Mark Simeon, Bo Bichette, and those guys. That the years that they had, man, those years are freaking crazy years. Yeah. They have potential Cy Young, Cy Young Award winner, and they're not in the playoffs. You know, it, it's it's crazy how this game can work sometimes. That's why uh, baseball is awesome and sucks at the same time <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're like, wait a minute, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And then a team that has a payroll of $3 in Tampa Bay is doing what they're doing. And then like if Tampa, that's another story for another day. If Tampa Bay would just keep a team together, who, what could they be? But that's what they do. Well, um, you know, what's crazy though. They get rid of guys at the right time. Like you, you think like when they got rid of Blake now, everyone's like, what are they doing? And then Blake now. Is supposed to be the big time guy in San Diego and doesn't do well, you know. And it's just that to me was like that. That team to me was the, the biggest yeah. disappointment here in the big leagues. I think. I mean, they they were set up to win, you know, or they on paper they were set up to win. They was built to win, and and they just didn't do it. But again, that's baseball. That's what happens, you know. The talent. I don't care what kind of talent you have on paper. If you don't go out there and 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 win games, it just it does. You're not going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and if you go back and you listen to uh, last week's podcast uh, with Josh Tolley, it was just me and Tolley, we were talking about um, what it's like the final week of the season. He's like, you know, we have that extra one playoff. Or we have, as Tolley would say, on teams where you know you're done and you already booked your vacation and your car already been shipped back. 
and you're playing yeah. for incentives and you're playing for bonuses and it's uh, what you're doing. It's, and I've been there because I would cover the Dodgers and it's like, okay, the last couple games of the year, you know you're getting ready for playoffs. Then on flip side, I'm on the Angel side and it's like, yeah, one, two, three, Cancun. Okay, all the Dominican guys are gear, picking up all the gear. They're going to ship this back and the clubbies are freaking out. It's, it's a different world of what you're seeing. And like, you guys are playing the same sport. It's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, cool slash weird. Josh was there, obviously, for the playoff years. I never even came close to sniffing the playoffs. Never? In, in my time in Toronto, no. So, I mean, we were usually out of it. Um, it didn't mean that we weren't going hard. Uh, I was still – I mean, I'm a competitor. And, yeah. and you know, you see me on the golf oh. course, I'll bet anyone anything, even if I'm, I don't have a chance. It's just I'm not going to back down. So, uh, I always wanted to end the year on a on a strong note. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, usually, yeah, you're like, okay, what, what am I going to do this offseason? Where am I going? You know what? I wish I would have, like I said, been into golf a little bit more. I would have way more golf vacations set up for myself, but I didn't. I you, Honestly, the only vacation I ever took was in my, you know, in nine, I didn't take one. Ten, no. Eleven, no. Twelve, no. After the 13th season, um, my uh, career was kind of. <laughs> going uh down the shitter uh with injuries and stuff and you know going up and down that whole year i booked a vacation to italy with cara my wife oh, that's right. and that was that was the only time i ever booked a vacation though the really? other, all the other, yeah all the other times i felt like i just wanted to come home kind of wind down and then get ready you know I, that's why i say it man sometimes i i fit i i wish i wouldn't have taken it like super hard you know i, I was hard on myself i'd come back and i was like all right two weeks and then I'm back in the gym. I'm back throwing, I'm back doing this. I'm back. It was just hard for me to wind down. Like I just wanted it so bad and, 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 and wanted to keep going, wanted to stay in shape and, and just was going to do everything possible. I never really gave my, myself time to say, okay, you know what? You deserve this. Let's go enjoy this. Let's but go. Don't here. you need that? Don't yeah. You I think to, like, I mean, looking back at it now. Yeah. Looking back at it, obviously. Yeah. I mean, huh. I, I, you need stuff like that. And um, you know, but again, you're living your learning. Time, I get it because you've been gone February through yeah. September and you just want to come home and see yeah. your family and chill, whatever. But like, damn, I, I, I would see this is just me thinking. I'm like, if I could I have a month off, I'm going and going to explore the world. Just turn yeah. off the phone and just decompress. Yeah. But you yeah. were just like, especially, you know, especially with guys. Uh, at the time, there, there was some younger guys. You could easily, hey, dude, let's go book a vacation and let's go to Spain. Let's go walk yeah. around this and that or let's go on a golf trip if i was into golf I, like i said that's why i wish i was into golf man um but you know what it's all worked out we're good now and uh you know have three kids running around so uh, i'm sure that makes it easier to travel right yeah oh, yeah good luck unless you're my sister who feels like she can travel the world with two kids like nothing what up laws um, <laughs> uh but no you know this goes back to this point before rosh Mardani joins us a little bit um you, as a professional athlete, needed that break. And we always like to give the advice to the parents and tell them, like, just let the kids be kids. If you, as an athlete, need a break, kind of kids need that break too, right, Rick? Absolutely, yeah. 100%, yeah. And and you know what? It's, I think it's you, it becomes an obsession, Beto, when you're at that level. You're you're one of the best in the whole world. You're, you're at the pinnacle of, of it all. And you you don't want your, your – I always kind of carried myself as – somebody's gunning for my job. I got to get ready. I got to be ready and stay ready. And that's kind of the way I viewed it, you know, but like I said, that's at that level that I was at, yeah. you know, at the time, um, you know, but like I said, sometimes it's good to take a breather, you know, and, and, and kind of just wind down and, and enjoy the fruits of your labor, you know, and yeah. just say, you know what, I, I deserve this. I, I, I deserve this. It's, I've always been fascinated with professional athletes, yourself included, and how you guys are the 1% of, the world like not many people can do your job like people who think that oh i can step in the batter's box i can get a hip off you no you can't fool like just just don't you won't even be see the ball like that's what it is but it, and it doesn't matter you might be the 25th man on the roster you're still a big leaguer and there's only a like hundred and yeah. you get to that level but you still need yeah I, I get you're talking about rick where i need to get better i need to do this i need to do that but that mental grind too is what people don't understand that you go through like that's yeah. what you need a break from. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, just the mental break. Um, but yeah, I mean that's something that we can touch on next next yeah. time. Uh, uh, you know what what goes into an off season and stuff like that. But right now we're in playoff mode. Obviously, yeah. Arash Danny is going to join us. 
he's a good dude, man. Like uh, a right. guy that's helped me a lot uh, in making my transition into some TV shows and stuff like that. He's has a lot of experience um, throughout sports. He's covered some really cool events. So I'm kind of excited to just to hear that side of it. You know, you tell us your side of, you know, covering the Lakers, Kobe Bryant and all that cool stuff. And it to me, it's fascinating, you know, how you guys view it. If you guys get nervous, you know, watching a big time sporting event, if you guys get nervous, you know, if he has to go interview Tom Brady, like, is he like, you have to be like, hey, like almost like a pitcher, you know, hey, I, I'm going to own this moment. You know, this is my time. You know, like you can't, I'm sure guys get, crumble sometimes and trying to ask these guys questions you know i mean i'm sure you see with greg popovich right like (laughs) when this when i first started off as a reporter in la i i covered the clippers because i wasn't good enough to be the laker guy i would do the clippers and i wasn't even the clipper guy i would get the clippers visiting team so i had to go interview the visiting team and you know who's covering the clippers in the early 2000s nobody who's around (laughs) them the spurs it's like two they have two people and look at me and he's like "Uh uh-huh what do you got and arash yeah, Rosh Bardani knows about Greg Popovich, right? <laughs> What's up, fellas? What's up, guy? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing? We're good. good. We're good. I'm just telling Greg Popovich interview stories. Oh, wow. Fantastic. <laughs> What's the best one? Uh, the one when he told me, who are you? Don't you know about us? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, uh, Never heard of you, Pop. Yeah, so Popovich, <laughs> I asked him. Right? I, was telling, uh, I was a young reporter, and I asked him a question. And Popovich looked at us, and we're in a Clipper game, and nobody pays attention to the Clipper games in the early 2000s. And Popovich says, what kind of question is that? Looking right at me. And I'm like, fuck, I, I wrote that question down like five, six different times. I know, because I, I knew to come prepared. I didn't say talk about it. I had a legit question. And I shot back. I'm like, it's a pretty good question. It's just being a smart. And he said, you're right. It is a good question. He answered it. But I kid you not. I'm like, oh, heart beating. <laughs> That, that seems to be pop steel, right? He wants people to push back at him. Yeah, exactly. That's what he wants. He's that's that's what we were, ta- we were talking about this leading on, Arash. We were th- thanks again for for doing this, obviously. But we were talking about that, like how is it, uh, you know, when when you guys have to talk to to athletes or coaches, and like, does it ever get intimidating? He was telling this story about where he when he first started. Do you remember any first stories when you first started? And you're like, oh shit, like I got to go interview who? I just remember being at Foxborough and not even, obviously not a one-on-one with Belichick, but just even asking Belichick a question. I'm like, I cannot end up on the internet after this question. Like I was, I was just so, and it was before the second Giants Patriots Super Bowl. So I just want to do the connection with him and his past with the Giants. And I'm like, oh God, I I really hope I don't fuck this up because, man. (laughs) It's hard being us, right, Arash? Well, especially with guys like Popovich and, and, and Belichick. Like, if you're around Romero and Gibbons and Montoyo, it's it's no biggie, right? Like, these guys these guys are child's play compared to those guys. Yeah. It's, uh... Do you think do you think they, it's it's their intention to kind of mind-fuck the media? And oh, kind yeah. Of... oh, yeah. All yeah. day. 100%. All day. It That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, Arash don't, you buddy, don't you think your buddy Bautista had a little bit of that in him? Yeah, yeah, at times, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Really? Yeah, he, 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 he was so smart that, yeah, don't, don't come at him with, like, a dumb question because he would be like, what? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what? It, it happens. I feel like when from, from an athlete's perspective, you, you kind of see it sometimes. You guys see it when, like, a question gets asked and it's the same question and it's like, bro, like, did you write these down? Like, come no. at me with a little, no, little bit more. Rick, I'll tell you right that. now, Rick, they didn't. They didn't do it. Because TV people are the worst. They're like, oh, talk about this. It's like TV people never listen to what everybody else is asking. They just want to ask their question. Right, Arash? Exactly. Those damn TV people. But you know what the biggest mistake of all is, fellas? And um, I tell kind of students and people just getting started in the industry this all the time, is that some people come in with like four or five questions pre-planned mm-hmm. and after asking the first one, all they're thinking about in their head is executing the second question mm-hmm. instead of listening to the answer. And sometimes the answer that the athlete or the coach or the manager or whomever is going to provide you is going to offer so much more insight and take you on a different path and, and make it conversational. You know, if, if Ricky is telling me something about how much he's, you know, I asked him a general question just to get things going, and he's talking about 
how there's something going on that's bothering him. And my next question does not follow up on that. Then that's a failure in, in what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right there. And I, you know what? As an athlete, one of my biggest pet peeves too from the media was when they ask you a question and then they turn away. You know, right. I was always, what the fuck? What's going on? You you really are not interested. You just have the recorder and you're just going to go back and you're going to write whatever you got to write. But at least look at me. And, and like you said, Arash, I think it's important to be able to have that conversation and be able to, like, if you hear something, follow up that answer with maybe a question of your own, not something that's memorized. And that was my biggest mistake on TV. The, the, the first few times I came out on TV, trying to memorize things and trying to say, okay, this is what I want to talk. And then kind of forgetting my points, my first point, and I was already thinking about my second point yeah. and my third point. And and I remember talking yeah. to Beto and, I, and he was like, bro, no, just, just focus on one. And then it's going to, you're going to ease up on it and it's going to lead on to the next one. And, and trust me, you just, if you start looking ahead, you're, you're, you're screwed. The biggest thing is just react. Like for you, Ricky, is react to what you're watching. Like all you're doing is talking ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the main thing. I think, I think part, I don't even know how we got onto this conversation from, uh, <laughs> um, I think in, in the broadcast world, the biggest mistake is we go back to like fifth grade public speaking assignments and how we're supposed to like give a speech in elementary school. That's not what we do anymore. Um, in this, in this realm, we're just, we're just talking ball. Yeah, you know, and that's the person sitting at home. We have to remember who's who's our audience. It's the person at home who just wants to listen to us talk about ball or watch us talk about ball. They want to ignore yeah. their day. Arash Madani, Arash Madani, right? Arash. Yeah, because I know Arash. Hey, fellas, by the way, I brought this just here. This is a Ron Artest bobblehead. This is my guy. This is my guy. He hey, gets this, I knew Ricky Robetta was going to be on this deal, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I got to get my guy Ron Ron represented there here. So, that's just for you. Arash Madani. Arash, wait, hold up. I know Arash Markazi, but you're Arash, right? Yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. Yeah. What, yeah, what white, people, white people have a hard time saying ethnic names, so we just go with whatever they tell you, whatever they say. <laughs> As a Umberto, I appreciate you, Arash. There you go. Arash Madani uh, from Sportsnet in Canada. I actually met him at the World Series a few years ago. And I was like, hey, uh, Ricky Rowe says, what's up? And he told me, well, F Ricky Rowe. I'm like, all right, cool. I guess you guys know each other really well. <laughs> and I said, well, well, you know Kara too. Oh, I love Kara. Kara, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds, yeah, about, right. Right. That sounds about right. That sounds yeah. about right. No, but you know what? That's that's kind of the relationship we've, we've built. And you know, and I and I say this all the time, but that's part of the reason why I've been blessed with the opportunity to come back to Toronto because I was able to maintain a good relationship with everyone in the media. And I never really, you know, at times, yeah, you get frustrated and stuff, but it, it's normal. Um, but a lot of the times it was always, you know, hey, they got a job to do and I got to yeah. I got to be a pro about it. You know, that's pretty much what it comes down to. You know, when when, when I tell young athletes, be a pro, you know, just be a pro with the media. They they. They're not trying to screw you. They're not trying to do anything that's, you know, hurt you. It's just they got a job to do. And, and it can't always be like, you know, nice and dandy. You know, we all wish it was, but it, it just it, it's it's not, you know, and that's just what the, how it is. It's, it's how sports has always been. So, um, you know, obviously, Arash, I've known him since, I don't know, fuck, 2009, 2010, when I broke into the big yeah. leagues. And um, so it, it, it's it's been a it's been we've known each other for a long time. Yeah, it was a. Uh... We're like, like as you know, Raj, you go on different shows and they tell you, come on, oh, and you're going to break down the Blue Jays, you're going to break down the Raptors. Like, this show, we just talk. It's like, there really is no topic. It's like, we don't want to do like the traditional, oh, let's just talk, let's break down this game, let's get that game. It's like, let's get to you. Like, you, what do you do specifically for Sportsnet? Um, well, during baseball season, it's predominantly baseball. Um, a lot of Blue Jays. I also do some tennis, but... I do a little bit of everything, you know, in a non-COVID world, I would have been in, um, oh, there you go, uh, that's at the Super Bowl, the last one before the world fell apart, um, Patrick Mahomes is coming out party. Um, that, that photo is something I never would have imagined would happen in my life. Um, and the best part is a professional photographer took that photo and it almost looks like it's Photoshop because he didn't get his lighting down. How about that one? You imagine. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I would have been in Tokyo otherwise for the Olympics. Uh, I'm going to do some uh, football film session stuff tomorrow leading up to the um, to the Bills-KC game on Sunday night, Mahomes versus Josh Allen. So I like to do a little bit of everything. But um, during baseball season, it's predominantly Blue Jays and uh, with some tennis sprinkled in there in the summer. Yeah. Arash, did you did you grow you grew up in Toronto, right? No, I grew up in the east coast of Canada, just outside of Halifax. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and how did how did how did, how did Brock that. What does that mean? Wait, hold on, hold on, Rick. What did, what did you just say? I'm in LA. What's uh, Halifax? Come on now, you know you know Halifax. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I, my, so my, my Canada Halifax. Look, my Nova Canada Scotia is in the Atlantic time zone, which yeah. is one hour. Nice, nice, nice lid there which is one hour even behind Eastern time. So growing up a fan of Magic and Kareem, tip-off was 11.30 local time. I was about so to say, I yeah. Like, I would battle my parents to be like, the you know, the four or five times a year we'd get Laker games on weeknights. I'd battle my parents to let me stay up at night, and then, like, I'd see tip-off, and then I'd be asleep on the couch. So that that's where, that's where I grew up. So I just, you know... Showtime Lakers were my were my squad though. You're on an island, right? Almost, almost. I've heard some great things about Halifax. I've never been there. Uh, I missed that uh, winter tour when they went there, but I heard some great things about it. Ricky, if you get a chance, absolutely do it. I, I maintain, honestly, fellas. From well, I'm on an American show. From Memorial no, no, we'll Day, one worldwide, baby. Well, I would have said Victoria Day, but nobody knows what Victoria Day okay. is. There's Halifax. There's a little dot right there. There it is. Um, <laughs> from from Memorial Day to Labor Day, it might be the nicest place in North America, the east coast of Canada. Jeez. That's a, yeah. yeah. A lot of our listeners have never left their backyard, so we, we kind of... <laughs> Amazing. All right. how, did, how, how did broadcasting um, become appealing to you Arash like growing up like did you, were you just like I want to interview players or be on the field for stuff like that I mean I mean obviously your your love for sports has always been there um so how, how did that come about for you yeah honestly I watched Dick Stockton do CBS NBA on CBS and Al Michaels do Monday Night Football I'm like this is amazing and you know they got a chance to be around practices and games and talk to the people. And then I just really enjoyed how, you know, some of the halftime segments and some of the storytelling things that were going on. And they were able to tell me something I hadn't heard before. And I always thought that was really cool. Yeah. And so that's something that, that I just kind of gravitated towards um, because I was just never good enough. As I'm, I'm asking a dumb question here. As a kid born and raised in LA who's never left yeah. the LA market, do they show the the U.S. games in Canada, or do they show the Canada broadcasters? Oh no, it's it's the U.S. broadcasters. The only time I'm trying to think, like the Olympics, Canada would produce its own stuff. Okay. But in terms of the four major sports, you know, Blue Jay games are produced in in Canada. But we we'd get all the we'd get all the U.S. networks. NBC. So Monday Night Football, you're hearing Al Michaels and Dan Dier. Oh yeah. Oh. So, so I'll tell you guys this funny story. So my father is the reason I'm a Vikings fan because they moved to North America in the late 70s. And at that time, uh, the Vikings were actually half decent. They got to four Super Bowls, lost them all because that's what the Vikings do. So <laughs> we grew up in the East Coast. We had all the Boston affiliates. Like I grew up with terrible Patriots teams. And then um, when I was in high school, they drafted Drew Bledsoe. And I'm like, this is a fun team, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm walking home from the parade in 2019, the Raptors parade. And I'm sunstroked and dehydrated and exhausted. I'd worked it. And I called my dad and I'm like, you know what, man? You are a real asshole. Like, you infected me with the Viking disease? I just went to a parade, and it was so fun, and it was so joyous, and everyone was having the time of their life. I would have had six of these, but you, you made me a Vikings fan. <laughs> we haven't even been to one, let alone won one. <laughs> that's part of my, that's part of my, there it is, there it is. Yeah. 
I'm using you two as my therapist today. Please. I mean, this, you might be the only guest that's ever said I called my dad and told him he was an asshole on our show. Hey, right? um, Josh Tolley is supposed to be Wait till, wait till Ricky's uh, firstborn is about four or five years older. I know. That, that's what I was about to say. I, I think I feel, I feel like it's coming with Sebastian and uh, and Diego. They're going to be like, Dad, you're a real asshole. Make me good for the Niners. You know, I have them completely brainwashed. It's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Let me uh, let me give you guys a thing. Uh, so normally Josh Tolley's on the show right now, but Tolley, uh, who lives in upstate New York, is a farmer. But this week he's hunting, and that's him right now. That's currently Josh oh Tolley in somewhere in Missouri hunting. So he might join. He might join us uh, later on. But this is a picture you sent a couple days ago. He's like, I'm in my my blind. He's like, let me know if we're doing the podcast. So if Tolley joins us, uh, just be ready for that, Arash. Uh, but yeah, it. he's he's out there doing all kinds of stuff right now hunting. So. Uh, but let's continue with the therapy session with Arash Madani from Sportsnet. Love it. <laughs> All right, Arash, what was it like in Toronto this past week as the Blue Jays were trying to go for a playoff run? It was it was rocking and rolling. I mean, people were into it. There was a mad scramble. Anybody and everybody wanted a ticket to get into the ballpark. Um, and and so many people just want to compare things with 2015 and 2016. Look, COVID's still a thing here. Yeah. Not quite that. But there was such a genuine excitement and and a hope. And I really thought that, um, I don't know about you guys, and Ricky, I don't know if you heard what Marcus Simeon said. He said, we really got the sense that we were probably one of the best teams in baseball by the end of the season, you know, by the last month of the season. It just it took a, a tick too long for us to get there. And I don't know about that. I really don't. But it would have been fun to see what they may have been able to do if they got in. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of unfortunate part is they were getting hot and they were hitting. Um, and it's just, uh, that, that's the, to me, that's, that's the unfortunate part about this because I think the AL is wide open. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think, I think they were probably the most dangerous team if they would have gotten in. Um, I don't think anybody wanted to see them. You know, offensively, they were clicking and um, <clears throat> and obviously their pitching staff, when you have, you know, Barrios look like he turned it on late uh, in the season. He got comfortable. And I always tell people because people kept bashing him and saying uh, shit about him. And I was like, he's got to get comfortable, man. It's not easy to come into a new team, I'm sure, and and have so many expectations. And I'm sure he thought it like, hey, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I got to be able to do this. I got to live up to this. Look who they gave up for me. And stuff like that. And I feel like once he got comfortable, it's like we saw what he can do. And obviously, he, he's a guy that, that can give you innings. He's got nasty shit. And, yeah, I just it, it, it's kind of sad, man, that, that just I was I was I was a little bummed out, you know, that they, 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 they're they not in there. And, um, you know, the team's got a bright future. Obviously, they got to make some additions and obviously bring some guys back. It's going to be key. So it, it should be fun. It should be interesting uh, what, what they do this offseason. I'm really interested to see who the shortstop – sorry, the second baseman is going to be next season. Um, because I think I think Simeon's gone. I You know, Marcus has waited a long time to get to free agency from the Bay Area. His wife's from the Bay Area. They have three kids. The grandparents are in the Bay Area. That's a good Dodger oh, pickup right there. He's going to San Fran. He's going to look good in Dodger blue. And, and this and – this, <laughs> And this is this is the thing too that that fans need to understand. It's nothing against the city, nothing against the fans, nothing against the team. But sometimes, like you said, Arash, a lot of guys wait a long time to get to free agency and and kind of find out their value. That it's you know, I mean, at the end of the day, money talks. You know, uh, and, and hold on, guys, right? hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I'm gonna have to interrupt this. I'm gonna have to interrupt this. A uh, professional baseball talk because, yep. Oh my go. god. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's geez. up boys Arash, how are you Tony what are you doing you're hunting dude fight him with your hands I mean you're cheating I'm racing Go chase on the ground. how much more cheating do you want that's what I'm doing He's I ran after him last night and I couldn't catch him but <laughs> Halloween was 26 days away what is happening here He's in a what do you call it a ghillie suit yeah, it's a ghillie suit. It's how you hunt from the you hunt from the ground instead of the tree. I don't like heights. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so 
if you're listening right now, Josh Tolley's joining us somewhere in Missouri in a ghillie suit. Illinois, Illinois. Oh, I'm sorry, Illinois. Like, that matters. Uh, we're in Illinois, and he's underneath a tree, and he's so dedicated to the podcast that he's going to call us from the middle of nowhere. What are you hunting? You're deer hunting? Yeah, deer hunting. This is the Have only podcast. This Have is the only podcast. You get two Mexicans, a, a Canadian, no. and, a, and a hunter. Yeah, no, yeah, diversity is what we do best on this podcast, right? <laughs> I feel like this is a 1980s wrestling video from Parts Unknown, Josh Tolley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, me and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> this is amazing. I hope the deer comes right now and you just miss him because you came on this podcast. No, we're the New York Deer Watching Club. We just let them all walk by us. We haven't shot a one, and we've had so many opportunities. <laughs> Who are you with? What are you doing? A couple, a couple of my buddies from back in New York. We came out to Illinois to chase down the big buck, and we can't find him. <laughs> How many days have you been out there, Tully? A week, actually. We're, we're going to leave tomorrow, I think. You've been in trees for a week? Yeah, on the ground for a week. Smelling like shit, too. You, you just lay down? Oh, smell awful. No, I sit under the tree. And you stalk them, and you wait till they get in front of you. <laughs> oh, my God. Josh Tolley, man of his word, he said he'd call in with the ghillie suit. He really is. All right. Bye, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Arash. I'm sorry, Arash. We're not uh, – this isn't as professional as it should have been, but this is where it's I'm so at right good, now. Bro. So I'm going to let Rick, I'm gonna let Ricky take it away. It's always good to see you guys. <laughs> See you, boys. I'm amazed he has cell service out in Parts Unknown. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had to pick my spot based on cell service today. Right. That's commitment yeah. to the cause now. You dang right. All right. Have fun, guys. All right. Okay. See ya. That guy's a fucking character, man. Oh, man. Oh, character. man. No, you know Arash. I mean, you you you've been on teams that that you've covered teams that he was on, and it's just it's madness. It's Arash. Not, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Whatever that was, I wasn't expecting that. Like, you're always expect the unexpected, especially with dudes like Tully. But I don't know what that was. <laughs> Arash, what's he's a beauty? You back to you, and and this is just I'm curious. Um, You've covered so many freaking cool events, so many sporting events. What's your top top three? Ooh. Well, I'll tell you the top one, and I don't know if anything can ever top this, and, uh, and Ricky Caro would really appreciate this. In 2012, they sent me to San Pedro Sula, Honduras for a World Cup soccer qualifier. And San Pedro Sula at the time per capita was the murder capital of the world. Oh, and Canada is playing Honduras for a spot in the hex, like the final round of World Cup qualifying. And if Canada won or tied, they're through at Honduras' expense. And we get to the stadium, and all you see is barbed wire. And the, the day of the game was a national holiday. There were 36,000 people in a 32,000-seat stadium. Fans had bags of piss that they were throwing at the Canadian players. There was riot police walking the track. It's like 42 degrees Celsius. I don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit. Um, let's hot. look that up. Really uh, hot. Yeah. And, and I have never, 107, I have never been more intimidated in my life. And I remember looking at our, at our camera guy and he's like, you know, I might be cheering for Honduras today because <laughs> we literally weren't sure if we were going to get out of there alive. Um, so that was, that was number one because I've never experienced Ooh. anything like that in my life. And it's so, and I'm giving you the, like the real basic bullet points of it. Um, Arash, it was the most intimidating scene I've ever encountered in anything anywhere. I mean, any Spanish you understand? No, but Salva Vida beer is what they uh, was what they were pouring that week when we were in Honduras, and I drank a lot of that. So you never find. Some, we we're actually looking for some in uh, L.A. The last time I was there, but we didn't find any. Yeah, no, we're all right. <laughs> we're all right. That's cool. It's the adventure that you get on. 
that, that's the one thing I'm, I'm always fascinated with you guys, you know, because you guys cover so many sporting. And I always wonder, I'm like, I wonder if they're ever like nervous, like, like in a big game situation, if they're sitting there like, oh shit, like, oh God, like what's going to happen next? If you're covering a Super Bowl, if you're watching Patrick Mahomes march down on the Niners and you're sitting there, you're like, oh man, this is, this is going to end like, you know, with the win for them or whatever, whatever it is, or, you know, you being there for the Jose Bautista home run. Like I heard that place was insane. Like I heard the earth shook that day in Toronto. So, I mean, I, I always wonder what was it like seeing it from if you guys become fans or if you guys still keep it professional in the sense that, eh, all right, I kind of witnessed this. It's cool. Next. So, Rick, you'll appreciate this. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. So in yeah. the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, we're basically in a tunnel way leading onto the field, waiting, watching the fourth quarter on TV monitors. And it's like, whatever, 6.15 kickoff and an hour halftime show. We're up against the clock. So five minutes in the fourth quarter, February 5th, 2020, I have a script that I'm looking at about basically comparing the San Francisco defense with the 85 Bears. It was about it was to be about Kansas City's speed and the coronation for a quarterback revolutionizing the game. Coming into Super Bowl 54, their 43 points a game this postseason was number two all time in the modern era. All week San Francisco's defense was told about it. Sunday they showed they had heard just about enough. It'll go down as one of the great all-time defensive performances in Super Bowl history. The 85 Bears gave up 10. Seattle's Legion of Boom allowed only eight. And now make room for Robert Sala's 2020 group in the conversation. And then, Ricky, the last 10 minutes of the game happened, and that script never saw the light of day. <laughs> and the fact that he still has it on his computer, there you go. I mean, it's, it was one of the most incredible things. You're just watching this. You're like, how can this happen? How is this happening? Um, and then Jimmy G to Emmanuel Sanders just missing. Um, but uh, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's sports, right? Like you can try and prepare and project and whatever. And then sometimes you just put your phone away or you shut your laptop and you're just like, what am I watching here? What is happening here? Um, you know, that the bat flip game, there was a near riot in the stadium that night after the whole uh, Shin Su Chu, the Russ Martin's throwback going off his bat. And I remember getting a text from a buddy of mine whose whose wife is a cop, and he's like, there are riot police going to the dome right now. And all of that was forgotten with one swing of the bat. All of that was forgotten because between Adrian Beltre and Elvis Andrews, they forgot to play defense for 10 minutes. Um, and that's, that's one of the beauties of sport is that the best unscripted drama theater you could ever imagine yeah and rick at those moments uh when you're reporting you're covering it you're rooting for your story you're like like yeah. you don't care if they come back and win you're like just don't ruin what i already wrote don't ruin my time and if on tv they tell you oh you're gonna get three minutes and all of a sudden they come back okay your three minutes now are 30 seconds like damn it you worry about yourself forget the team you worry about yourself right Arash? you've been working all day long <laughs> oh man San Francisco invested draft choices on the defensive side of the ball. And on Sunday, it was the pass rush that caused Mahomes fits. Insert sound up of the Armstead pressure that led to the Mahomes pick that Warner intercepted. <laughs> Never saw the light of day, Rick. Never saw the light of day. <laughs> Arash is better because oh, he kept that script. You I delete everything. I'm like, forget this. This ain't gonna work. Delete. <laughs> like, I don't need this. You know, you know, you know what I like though. Like, what, what, what he's saying right there. That you, sometimes you just put your 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 phone down, your computer yeah. away, and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna enjoy the moment and go off of that. And and I think that's that's the beauty of it, being pure. You know, instead yeah. of trying to, like, I need to piece this together. How am I gonna piece it together? It's more. Let me just watch and enjoy and see what's going on in front of me because at the end of the day, those are the kind of memories that you take. You're like, man, I was there. I watched it. I saw it. I saw what he was doing and what he orchestrated at the time. And to me, I, I mean, even, you know, like I said, as a fan watching these games, you just – I always, like, take it back to where was I when when that happened? And, oh, and, and uh, 
And, uh, you know, that that's the cool part about sports, I think, when when you're with and stuff like that. And yeah. I can't imagine, you know, what you guys have done. Obviously, you guys are at sporting events. What would it be like for you if you were covering the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl? Or actually, would you just be shitting your pants the whole day? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just never going to happen, Rick, so we don't even have to worry about that. I mean, that's just – <laughs> um, but going back to the original thing that we talked about, kind of asking questions, some days, the you know, we talk about bad flip game or that Mahomes game. Sometimes you just have to remove yourself and just let the, like, try and have the athlete capture the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking back to the Simeon when they're down eight to two to, to Oakland and they came back at the grand slam and the three run jack. And yeah. sometimes you're just like, what the hell just happened? Describe this moment. How are we standing here right now? You were down 18 with nine minutes to play, and you came back, and what What? What just happened? And sometimes when you just make it that short and that basic, and that that's when the athlete will give you the best stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Like, I'm so Rick. Like, I don't root for teams. I don't care about teams. Heck, I was a Clipper intern. That'll make you not care about a team. So, like, oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. And but I love sports and I love watching the best athletes, the one percent perform at the highest level. And I that's what I, that's what thrills me. Like I don't care the result; it's just watching it and telling that story. It's always so cool to like be there and you and you realize I've been fortunate enough to be at every single major event. The only thing I have never covered are the Olympics, and I want to do that. LA doesn't count. I actually want to be a correspondent at one of the Olympics. I'm gonna make that happen. I don't know how, but for who or what, but I'm gonna make it happen. But you you see this, and you're like, wow, like Arash. When Ricky was, for his final year of trying to get back to the big leagues, you know who his throwing partner was? Who he would play catch with every single morning? Me. I'm like, right. how the hell do you go from being a guy with a bobblehead to playing catch with a washed-up high school guy who's scared at every ball that you're throwing at him? But, like, you would see the dedication that he had, and you have more respect for him and players that, they, to get to that level. And then when people are like, I could do this, or you suck. you know, No, you, no they don't suck. Like, they're the best in the world at what they're doing, and you have to give respect. So I always... I never put the athletes on a pedestal, but you always respect them for getting there. Even though a lot of them could be assholes, especially baseball players. But, like, right, hockey guys are the best. Basketball are cool. Baseball are the worst. But it's – you – you you not that I'm in awe, but you respect that who they are and how what it's taken to get there, right? I And for me, it's the Olympians that really blow me away. I got two good Olympic stories. The first um, – Rio 2016, it was the last Saturday of the Olympics, and uh, we were at Canada Olympic House. They had this, uh, this like, whatever, this party, and we're all done. The next day was the closing ceremony. All the events were over other than the marathon, and uh, everyone's wiped, and everyone's exhausted, and everyone's getting lit. Um, and this guy comes up to me, and he's in a sling, and his face is a disaster, and he's like, hey, man, are you a rash? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm a big Jays fan. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're talking. And uh, and I said, what do you compete in? He said, BMX. It was the first year BMX was there. I'm like, man, what happened? He's like, oh, I had a brutal fall, broke my collarbone, bunch of stitches in my face. I'm like, oh, shit. He's like, he's like you think they're going to re-sign Edwin? Because Edwin was going to free agency. This was still the year, you know. I'm like, well, I'm like, I think the Jays will offer him 60 or 70, but I think Edwin wants 100. And he kind of looks at me, he's like, $100 million. I'm like, yeah. And he just starts to laugh. I'm like, what's up? And he said, look at me. He's like, my shoulder is busted. I won't be able to go to work when I get back home. He's like, I'm a total disaster, but I was a carded athlete this year, and they gave me 54 grand, and I thought I won the lottery. <laughs> and right there in that moment, I'm like, yeah. You know, yeah. in this country, this is what, you know, he's worried about going back to his job after competing for his country at the pinnacle of sport. So that was one. Um, the other was London 2012, one of the last days of the Olympics. They assigned me to uh, to wrestling. And, I mean, I don't know anything about wrestling. And I'm always thinking when I'm at an Olympics, the person watching at home, what are they doing? And, that, and the person at home doesn't know anything about the intricacies of wrestling. So there was this Canadian wrestler. Her name's Tanya Verbeek. And this was Tanya's third Olympics. 
And in her first one in 2004, she won a silver. In 2008, she won bronze. And she's in the semifinals. She wins it. She's going she's gonna to be in the gold medal bout. So I'm reading more about her. And in 2004, she lost to this woman, Sahori Yoshida, in the gold medal fight. In 2008, in the semis, she lost to Sahori Yoshida of Japan um, and ended up winning bronze. And here we are in London in the afternoon, late afternoon. She's going to be um, competing for gold against Sahori Yoshida of Japan oh, again. So I look up Sahori Yoshida, and she's the 11-time reigning world champion. So not only has she won back-to-back gold medals at the Olympics, but she's won every goddamn world championship along the way, too. And so by the end of the evening, in walks Tanya with a silver medal around her neck, and she is beaming from ear to ear, and both of her ears literally are mangled. And so I'm like, I'm not going to ask anything about the fight. So I'm just like, you know, what does this moment mean to you? All the nonsense. And then my last question was, I say, you know, Tanya, in tennis, people wonder if not for Federer and Nadal, now Djokovic, would somebody else have emerged? In golf, if not for Tiger and Mickelson, could somebody else have become a star? I'm like, do you ever wonder what would have happened if once Sahori Yoshida wasn't around, what that would have done for you? And fellas, she looked at me like I was living on Pluto. And she's like, well, then what would the challenge be? I'm like, what? She's like, what would the challenge be? She's like, wanting to beat Sori Yoshida is what gets me out of bed every morning. The challenge is that. And I froze. I did not know what to say. (laughs) So whatever, we're cleaning up an hour later. I run into the hall. And she's like, did I say something wrong? And I'm like, Tanya, you got to understand, I'm coming from pro sports. When LeBron chose to go to Miami, what would the challenge be was not in his DNA. (laughs) Um, So that's one thing about the Olympians. Like, those are two kind of stories to me that really sum up that That what would the challenge be and – 54 grand in my busted up shoulder. Uh, I thought I hit the jackpot. So those those are the two uh, stories I like to tell about. Yeah. It's really good. I, I've never really thought about that, and it's true. You're right. I mean, Olympic athletes will do anything to go and represent their country, and they'll do it for pennies, you know, if, if it was up to them. And it, it That is cool. It's cool to hear that that side of it and that perspective of it and, and the way they see it, you know, and, and – those the the Olympians are wired differently than than pro athletes, obviously. You know, you there's so much one, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's wired differently, man. Uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> anything, anything we do, anything we do. We were even working out yesterday. Uh, actually gotta go pick her up. She had hernia surgery today. Um oh, no. yeah, but she's well, fine. She did she's it fine. herself. She she operated on herself too. <laughs> right. But yesterday we're doing a workout at F45 and there's something we're, we're partnering, partnering up and we're doing like these little sprints. And I can tell she is doing everything possible to lap. And I'm just not going to let it happen, obviously. And, and at the end, I was like, you're trying to lap me. Huh? And she's like, no. I was like, yeah, you were. And she's like, no, I wasn't. I was like, yeah, you were. I saw you fucking. Tr- Everything's a, a damn competition between her and I. Everything. Everything. You just can't. Like if I want to take it easy, like she just, it's just not going to happen. Cause I'll see her and I'll be like, all right, I gotta, I can't let her show me up. You know? So it's just that constant battle back and forth. So, yeah. but uh, it's fun. <laughs> Arash, I know, I know you got to get going Arash. You got a busy schedule today, but uh, a message came through. Andrea Gale, follower of the let's go Ricky Row Instagram account says, I cannot wait to hear Arash, the goat Madani on the podcast. Uh, so there you go. The yeah. Goat. yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Ruben Polanco, our good friend, is actually listening while driving a forklift. He uh, he said he's in a wow. Yeah, so he's our good guy. He's our connection. He's actually our golf connection. So, Ruben, what's happening to you? Uh, I don't know. Ruben's an executive, but he's driving the forklift. So, I don't know what's going on with him right now. So, we'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> uh, and Justin Jones, a big fan of the show. Arash, that's a cool shirt. The Jays did a great job on National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. What does that mean? So... September 30th is now a holiday in Canada. Um, Over the last number of months, it has been 
really revealed uh, some of the atrocities and injustices that were done to children, to indigenous children, um, back a couple of generations ago. Uh, they were ripped away, children were ripped away from their parents, taken to residential schools where they were abused, sometimes killed. Um, and now it's it's coming to the forefront. So this orange t-shirt is says every child matters. Um, Wow. I'm a proud Canadian, but it's been very hard to process um, some of the, many of the ugly truths of our past. And there are a lot more conversations happening about what went on, and the reconciliation part is just beginning. So um, here's hoping some of that happens. Real, yeah, real cool. let's hope so. Let's yeah. hope so. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we, it actually, when we were up in Canada, um, it, it's when we kind of, obviously started seeing more about it and, and, and learning more about it. And Cara obviously uh, talked to me about it and stuff like that. It, it, it's crazy, man. It's just, it's, yeah. I mean, there's really no words for that. Um, and I understand. I always think things too, Ricky. That's, that's one thing as Canadians, we're proud of who we are, but uh, that's, that's, start that's, that's what I was about to say. I mean, um, I always tell Beto, you, you, you really don't know how much Canada means to Canadians. Like it's like, it, how proud they are. I mean, I, and I always go back to this. I was like, I, I'm like, I got to start an opening day and there's nothing like 50,000 Canadians singing Oh Canada. It's like, it, it's it's crazy how, how prideful you guys are and something I obviously I deeply appreciate. And I mean, I, I consider myself, you know, somewhat Canadian because of the we ties do. that I have all the time I've spent there. It, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, to me, I always say this, it, the Toronto Blue Jays were probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, uh, without a doubt. Wow. It's cool. So, Raj, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, as a guy who's worked fights in Montreal, and I've seen it before, and a guy who started covering hockey and didn't realize that O Canada was played before hockey games, that's how little I knew about hockey in 2002 when I started. <laughs> like, why are they playing their anthem? They're like, because it's a Canadian team. I'm like, so do they play when the like San Jose comes to town? They're like, no, dumbass. It's only when a Canadian team comes in. So, but, you know, I learned about O Canada, so... Rosh, I'm what watching you from you a distance. About, what did you learn about Montreal's nightlife after a fight, say, St. Catherine Street at about 1 in the morning? 1? Shit, 3 in the morning. <laughs> All I know is that my shuttle left at 5 to go back to the airport. And, I, and mind you, it was in the summer. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And, and then, then they offered me a chance to go back to do another fight. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go back to Montreal. Fucking January, biggest mistake of my life. Fuck that. Yeah, a little chilly that time of year. Yeah, I'm like, no. But yes, uh, Montreal in the summer is amazing. It's beautiful. I, I would actually pay to go vacation in Montreal. And I don't pay for a damn thing. So that's how good I liked it. So, well, we'll start in Montreal, get over the East Coast in Nova Scotia, and we'll all meet up there, fellas. Uh, hey, just take, I want to go see you, the Northern you got, you got your connection in Rash. And if you want to drink some beer... That's your guy right there. Uh, all, all I know is that when I see Arash at events, and I've seen him um, at the NBA Finals, I think I've seen him. Some, I've seen him at the King. When Baseball. We saw each other at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, we, I, I've seen Dodger him from a distance. Stadium. This dude is like the dude. I've noticed that because the Canadian uh, reporters, uh, I think David Amber is the other one who I've seen uh, up there. You guys show up with not just a regular microphone, Rick. They show up with like a microphone on a hockey stick. And because they get into the scrum, I'm like, and then they put the hockey stick over and they get their sound. I'm like, these guys are fucking awesome. They know what they're doing right here. They're smart. The Canadians are smart. They're smart. Yeah. That's why Carl is really yeah, smart. Their way will spear you right in the neck of that scrum. <laughs> so that's that's what you didn't see. Ross Madani, appreciate you, man. And thanks for taking care thanks, of Ricky. Good boys. Great All to see right. you. Oh, man. That was good. That was good, Ricardo. Uh, he was cool, man. I'm glad he was able to come out last minute. Yeah, uh, sure, man. And, and and you know what? And, and again, we've never really had a media guy other than yourself. And you have a lot of history and a lot of cool stories. But it's also cool to hear like a different perspective from somebody like that, somebody that's covered so many different events and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, the, 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 the to me, the those Olympic stories are yeah. awesome. I mean, it's like it's, it's crazy. You know, <laughs> Edwin's over there asking for 100 million. This guy he just hit the lotto for getting fifty four thousand dollars. So. You know, again, it's it's the beauty of sports, you know, what we're willing to do, what we're willing to sacrifice each in their own way. I mean, it's just, you know, that's that's what sports do, that does, you know, in this really world. Cool. And it's awesome. 
Uh, Javier Razo checking in right now. It wasn't that cold. Razo, it was zero degree. It was zero, fool. Zero. Like, Razo was wearing shorts in Montreal, but it was freaking zero, Rick. Like, I just thought, I'm like, zero is Razo, Razo's also covered by, like, a layer of, like, <laughs> 50, 50 beers. So that's why he's never cold. You know? That's why. His own insulation. <laughs> All right, Rick, uh, real quick. Uh, playoff predictions. Dodgers, yes or no? They going to beat the yeah. Cards? Yeah. They beat the Giants? Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Uh, Yankees, Red Sox? Uh, I think the Yankees. They beat Tampa. Oh, we'll talk about you that one next week. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they do. All right. Yeah. So uh, now the wild card. Yeah, I think it's Yankees Dodgers. Yankees 100%. Dodgers winning the wild card, and then uh, you're like, well, what about Atlanta and Milwaukee and who's the other one? Chicago and Houston. Look, I don't care about them. So <laughs> let's go with big cities only. Yankees Dodgers and Razo. I'm going to the Dodge game tomorrow. Pick me up. I'll see you there. So for. Uh, Graham Metzger, our intern who's not watching right now, but he's going to cut up some highlights. Make sure you go to the Let's Go Ricky Roll Instagram page for Josh Tolley, who is <laughs> Rick. <laughs> oh, my God, that guy. Tolley called in from a blind somewhere in Illinois. So, oh, man. Well, we missed you, Rick, last week. We'll be back uh, this week. And Saturday, uh, we're having a party at uh, uh, somebody's house, and we're going to watch the Fury fight. We're going to watch the Dodger games, uh, all kinds of other good stuff. Razo, uh, bring your grill. We are ready to go, and we'll talk about that next week. So for Josh Tolley, Arash Madani, uh, Graham Metzger, and Ricky Romero, I'm Bethel Ramsing. Thank you for watching another edition of Let's Go Ricky Road. Thanks.